How can we turn this pandemic into a family revival? What are the offices of apostle and prophet in Ephesians 4, 11? And how can we help a charismatic or Pentecostal see the truth? The answer is when we understand the text. This is when we understand the text, a daily Bible study in the Word of Christ. For if we abide in His Word, we are truly His disciples. Please tell your friends about our ministry at www.utt.com. Here once again is Pastor Gabe. Thank you, Becky. You're welcome. So I've received quite a few emails. I, w- I wouldn't say it's a lot, mm-hmm. but it's a few. Okay. Of some folks who are saying that this lockdown, the, the quarantine, the shelter in place, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. is really starting to cause them some depression. Yeah, I get that. And I don't I don't want to read anybody's emails because yeah. I get that they're personal uh, and I don't want to make light of any of that, especially not having asked anybody's permission if I could read something like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm just noticing that a pattern of emails saying, pray for me, because this is this has been really hard right now. Yeah, uh, I got one email from somebody who said they just moved to a new area. Oh, man. And so they had not even found a new church yet. Oh, this stuff is starting to weigh on some people. And we did have the announcement from the president yesterday that he's going to start opening things back up again, Mm -hmm. but he's leaving it in the hands of the governors. And if you have a Democrat governor, it's going to take longer to open things back up than it will will. with a Republican governor. That's that's just how this is going to go. So let's pray. Let's spend a little bit of time here at the very beginning in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we know that you are the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ that you are the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. You comfort us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. The assurances that we have according to your word, that we have nothing to fear, no reason to be dismayed for you. The Lord, our God is with us. And as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, we are growing in Christ's likeness, not being too alarmed at the fiery trial that comes upon us to test us as if something strange were happening to us. But this is ultimately for our good, though we may not see it now. May we trust in the Lord our God with all of our heart and know that these circumstances are for our good and ultimately for your glory. For as we share in Christ's suffering, so also we will share abundantly in his comfort that he provides for us. If we are afflicted, we are comforted according to the word of Christ. For we know Jesus is with us. He said to his disciples, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And at the end of Matthew, behold, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. May we be reminded of these things. You have not forgotten us. We have not been abandoned. We are not alone, for God is with us even in these moments where we feel afflicted, where we feel lonely and afraid and depressed and uncertain about the future. May we know that we trust in the Lord God who is over all. He is sovereign over all things. None of this has happened outside of your will or your sovereignty. You reign, and we can take comfort in that that our hope may not be shaken. I pray that we will 
rely all the more upon you, not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You have delivered us from the deadly peril of sin and the death that is the wages of sin through faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So uplift us with your willing right hand and carry us through these days that are so troublesome to us now, but they do not even compare to the glory that awaits us if we endure to the end. Keep us steadfast, continue the work in us that you began in Christ Jesus our Lord until the day of Christ. And it's in his great name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Where I want to go next, Vody Bakum did a special podcast interview with Josh Bice yesterday on the G3 Facebook page. Okay. Also on the uh, the G3 YouTube page. Cool. He talked about some things recommending that families do in the midst of this time, in, the, in our shelter-in-place, stay-at-home orders. Okay. And one of the things that Vody said, he said, you need to be thankful that this has happened. Hmm. And that's, even for myself, who has has not been, like, vexed by things that are going on. I think that we've gone too far with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, you know, Becky knows that. She's heard my rants. Yes. Uh, I think it was right that there were certain places that got locked down, but I don't think everybody needed the same level of lockdown. Okay. The same level of quarantine and shelter in place. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But one thing that I've not done well in expressing is my thankfulness for this situation. Yeah. I actually am thankful for this, but it's just kind of become faux pas to say that. So I haven't, and I regret that I haven't. Okay. I should be shepherding people more in the direction of be thankful that that we have been forced to shelter in place, that you are at home with your family. Now, I know that that some have fractured families. Well, great. This is a, a, maybe a time of family revival. Mm-hmm. And that's the way that Vody Bakum had put that uh, in the interview that he did with Josh Bice. So some may have had good functioning families before this lockdown occurred. Mm-hmm. Some may have had uh, dysfunctional families. Yeah. But this time could be utilized to strengthen the family, of to course. focus on those things that as a family we had not been doing and listening to him was even convicting for me because even though I felt like we have done pretty good. When is listening to voting not convicting? Yeah, that's true. That's, I mean, really. That's a really good point. <laughs> anyway, continue. Every, t- every time you listen to voting, it doesn't every matter how, how spiritually healthy you think you are. Or how many times you've heard the same thing. <laughs> that too. Every time. It's like, I have heard him preach this before. Oh, yeah. yeah uh, uh, I should have known that was coming. If you can't say amen, you better say ouch. That's <laughs> That's the Vody Bachism. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but even listening to him, I was thinking, you know, we we have done fairly good at prayer and devotions and and uh, singing time. But when the whole lockdown thing happened, I think I I got worse at that. And maybe it was just taking for granted. Hey, we're together all the time now. It's it's a schedule thing too. Yeah, yeah we're not keeping a schedule. You're you're not in routine anymore. Nope. Your routine's out the window. You got to find a new groove. Yeah. It's it's not, you know, things that, oh, this is Monday, so I have these things going on. It's like, right. wait, was today Monday or was it yesterday? <laughs> yep. You know, just everything's blurred. All throughout Thursday, Becky had to remind me of yeah. what I was doing today. I'm like, it's Thursday, babe. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, no, great. No, it's it's Thursday. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yesterday was a funny day for you. It was. So at <laughs> 6 o'clock, I come upstairs from my study. Yeah, it was pretty late for you to 
start yeah, supper. Yeah, come out at 6 o'clock. Because you, usually you'd make supper and everything. Especially and on Thursday, I got to get it done earlier because yeah. we got Bible study at 6.30. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I came out. Because we usually start eating at 6. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I came I out of my the cave I the kids then. down and everything. <laughs> well, Zeej always comes and bothers I know, me. I know. But Aria too. Yeah. Was it Aria? Yeah, I sent Aria. She I, said she was hungry, and I was like, you oh, better yes. go. But see, that's the thing with Aria, too. She's mm-hmm. always telling me she's hungry at like four. <laughs> you, you've got to wait. Yes. We're not having supper yet. So anyway, the uh, we got to six o'clock. I finally came out of my cave. <laughs> and I came upstairs. You see it like you're all by yourself <laughs> all day long. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm Kids coming in here interrupting me constantly. Constantly. Uh, and then... I I said, hey, well, let's get the movie started because we started a movie the night before. Well, let's finish the movie tonight. Becky's like, um, no. And you thought I was kidding. I, no, I thought you were seriously like you had planned something you wanted to watch. Uh-huh. And so you really were telling me, no, you're not watching your movie. I've got something I want to watch. I'm like, babe, no, we got to finish our movie. And, and then she reminded me, you have Bible study in 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, right. I totally forgot about that. And I should have started supper a long time before that, and I didn't get that done. So I just told Annie to do some chicken nuggets for the kids. <laughs> it's funny. And then, and then in the evening, we got the kids to bed. We said prayers, got everybody upstairs, settled down. There was a thunderstorm here on Thursday night. Yep. So we had to get the girls settled down with all of that even. And then uh, suddenly... I'm sitting down and I'm I'm pulling up our show. We're like, okay, here we go. We're gonna watch our show. Becky's like, um, podcast. <laughs> oh right. I'm like, are we not? <laughs> Do you have other plans? I mean, you know, you got this tonight. Yes. Good. Because schedule uh, I'm is totally tired. off. Yeah. <laughs> My schedule is just not there. Thursday was just I was totally so, been messed up. So anyway, back to back, back to, to Vody. Yeah. So the problem has been we haven't been keeping a regular schedule. So even I'm realizing, hey, there's been things that I need to be doing better. Mm-hmm. We as a family finished uh, the man who split time. Yes. The other day. Yeah, that was amazing. We've been going through that together. That's a good book that you could look up. So go to wretched.tv mm-hmm. and look in their store and look for the book, the man who split time. And it's 22 proofs Mm -hmm. to know that Jesus is God. Todd Friel and Phil Johnson, Mm -hmm. who wrote it together, we went through it together as a family. So it's short, sweet. It is, yeah. Little devotional book. If you do this as a family, like every night during a a week, Mm -hmm. a regular week, could be seven days, but if you just do it five days a week, Mm -hmm. you should be able to get done with it in five days maybe go through it and okay we'll do one two and three on day one Mm -hmm. you know that sort of thing yeah uh if you yeah if you did three a day you would get through it in a week seven days there's 22 proofs maybe one extra i was gonna say uh uh uh-huh i I got my math uh right i know there's there's a remainder in there give or take it's I just I felt like I had to add that in case I got an email. Um, seven times three is not twenty-two yet. I'm just sitting over here smiling at you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So Kick what? Are, what else are some other things that you could do as a family? Yeah. And, and that's kind of what he was talking about with Josh Bice, especially when you're out of the routine of going to church regularly on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So you don't even have church that you're doing as a family right now. Right. Well, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not going. Yeah, you're not going. So hopefully you're pulling that up still on Sunday. And you know, watching it on Sunday or whatever it is you happen to do is still not the same thing. And one it's of the not. one of the things that Vody pointed out is with your family, you shouldn't make your kids feel like it's the same thing. Mm. This is different. 
Right. So don't be like. Don't help them grow up in the in the thinking, the the realm of, oh, yeah, everything online is the same as it is on person. No. no, no. Yeah. Don't develop that mentality yeah. of, well, we're going to church. I mean, no, no, we no. have a hard enough time putting our phones down and I didn't even grow up with that. Yeah. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Anyway. So, so he's giving some ideas on on how we can do a family revival. Mm-hmm. How can you be more disciplined in your family time? Growing closer to one another, being disciplined in these things. And that's one thing that he was sure to uh, label it as. This is a discipline. Yeah. So we're not doing this to make it fun, mm-hmm. even though there should be joy in it. Right. But it's a regular discipline. It's intentional. Yeah. Right. We got to do it intentionally. Okay. What time of the day are you going to do it? You, you don't have to do it in the morning. And I know that some people kind of get discouraged with that because they try to plan family time in the morning and then it doesn't happen. And then you go through the entire day going, well, we should have done family time this morning. Yeah. So if it's better for your family to do it at night, Mm -hmm. then plan for it in the evening. Yeah. Just decide at this time when we get to the evening, everything's shutting off. We're going to sit down and go through the scriptures. We're going to go through catechism together. We're going to sing some songs together, Mm -hmm. pray together. The exact quote from Vody was... This is not house arrest, but a call to family revival. So in that way, we can be thankful that this has happened. And all of those that have prayed for revival. I mean, how many times do we hear it in the past year? And here we've got a a chance to do that. Here it is. Right. Yeah. So take advantage of that. Our our country's not going to be the same. The economy's not going to be the same after this. The world's not going to be the same. Yeah, the whole world's not going to be the same. But you can grow in faith with your family and Mm -hmm. especially training up your children in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. This is the best opportunity we've ever had to be able to do that. So be intentional. Yes. Do it. Be thankful for our pandemic. I I know that you may even know people who are getting sick and maybe even know people who have died, maybe not directly from COVID-19, but it could have been from some of the other medical problem that was just exacerbated by the fact that we've got this pandemic that's going on but still be thankful for these days that the lord is indeed working in this and there are certain things that he's exposing and shutting down and maybe even bringing about revival adam ford who is the founder of the babylon b and he's also the editor of the discern (laughs) uh, a news resource that we have online Mm -hmm. he has said that one of the things this has proven is that the family is still the basic building block of a society amen and And i can tell you last year i just felt like i was so busy all the time no matter how many things i said no to i still was i still felt like i was so so busy and wrapped up in you know, okay, we got to get this done to get this done to get this done. And, and you know, it's just like a checklist. Mm-hmm. And and so now I have the opportunity and I'm not, I, I got to admit, I'm not really using it wisely because I'm just kind of enjoying the fact that we're not having this and this and this and this and this to do. <laughs> but that gets old too. Yeah, so. right. Yeah, well, you can get, I mean, you can get lazy. You just get glued to your screen. Yeah. I'm just as susceptible to that as anybody. Yeah. So here are some tips from Vody Bacham on on this family revival that you can be having. And I'll probably do this in a video format, too, because I just think everything that he said here was great. Of course it was. (laughs) (laughs) Number one, he says, keep this simple. Mm. If you try to make this complicated, then you'll get discouraged and you won't continue doing it. Right. So however you arrange your family time and be in devotionals and things like that, uh, make it simple. Mm -hmm. Don't make it complicated. 
Keep it simple. And then number two, he even outlines what those simple elements are. Awesome. Read, sing, pray, and memorize. Hmm. So you're reading the scriptures together. You can sing songs together. You are praying together. Mm -hmm. And then there's even memorization you're doing together, which can either be memorizing scripture Mm -hmm. or you're memorizing catechism. You're going through catechism together. And Mm -hmm. so you pick one catechism question. You do that all week long. Right. Ask the question. Give the answer. You could go through uh, a statement of faith like Mm -hmm. the London Baptist Confession, 1689. You could do that together. Because that gives you good, even kind of Q&A through that, Mm -hmm. uh, basic statements of belief. You'll have every statement that's given. There will be some scriptures that will go along with that Mm -hmm. to do further study and and understand how the framers of these faith statements came to that understanding by what passages of scripture, things like that. Let's let's go through this in order. Read, sing, pray, memorize. What do you read? Ooh, knock my thing here. Uh, you, well, first of all, you're reading the Bible. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you subscribe to Table Talk magazine, yeah, that's, that's a great devotional. That's a very helpful resource. Mm-hmm. We mentioned the man who split time. Yes. If you go through the scriptures together, I would make sure that your older kids who know how to read have them open their Bibles mm-hmm. and read Definitely. it with you. So, so dad, don't just be the guy that's there with your Bible open. You're sharing it with everybody else. If it's Bible study time, everybody's got their Bibles open. Mm-hmm. So you're teaching them how to read it, pointing out verbs. What's the point of this text that we've read here? And then if you're like cross-referencing, you can have each one of them look up one verse. So that way it goes a little faster. too. Yeah. What do you read out of the scriptures? Well, you can all decide to go through a gospel together. Mm-hmm. How much do your kids know about the ministry of Jesus? Yeah. So you're helping them understand that. You can go through basic uh, Bible stories, chapters of the Bible, things like that. Uh, if you search my blog, I can't remember how far back this goes. This might be either the end of December or the beginning of January. But I did a 40-day outline of oh, uh-huh. essential chapters of the Bible. And you I can think read it was the- in January. You think it was back in January? I think so, because you you did it for the church before that. Mm-hmm. And then you put it on your blog okay, a right. little later. Uh, yeah, so you could find that. You could utilize that and even help your family catch the highlights of the Bible. Yeah. So what are the key passages I need to know? And then I get the story of the Bible. Yeah. That's what that blog does. In the description of uh, of this podcast, I'll put a link to that blog in there. That'd be good. So look for, in the description of the podcast, look for a link to the blog that has the 40-day Bible study from Genesis to Revelation outlining kind of like those key passages, those key texts. You could find something like that. You could go through a, a gospel together, Matthew together. You could do what Vody Bacham recommended is you've got 31 Proverbs, 31 chapters of Proverbs. Mm-hmm. So That's in a month true. with 31 days, you're reading a chapter of Proverbs every day. Yeah. Or with the Psalms, you do the daily Psalm. Mm-hmm. What is the daily psalm? Well, you have 150 psalms, and if you divide that by five, five days in a week, five weekdays, mm-hmm. then you've got three. So then you can go through three psalms in a day, and uh, and then you're going to get through uh, all 150 psalms. Am I saying this right? So 30 days, five times three, 150. In the span of a month, you have you've gotten through... The uh, the Psalms. What are you laughing at? Five times three is one hundred and fifty. <laughs> Five times thirty. 
30 days in the month, five. Boy, my math has been bad this episode. I mean, I was still tracking, but it was just funny. I couldn't help this is, it. This is what That's lockdown is. It's my chair that's Every squeaky. time you your keep chair squeaks, I know. Door. I keep looking at the door because I think a child is going to come in here needing to go no, potty. It's just, it's just me moving. <laughs> I have to resituate. Anyway. Um, okay, so Psalm of the Day. Yes. So if you, yeah, divide it up by three. Um, so you're doing three psalms every day. So on day one, you're doing five no, not psalms. five psalms a day. Five psalms. Five, five psalms for a day would days. Ta- for thirty days would take. Okay, that's a. <laughs> However, you want to break this up. <laughs> I mean, if you want to go ahead and keep continuing on past, you know, hopefully we get out of our homes by then. But you know, <laughs> whatever. Uh, however, you decide to break this up. <laughs> So how the psalm of the day works is on day one of the month, mm-hmm. you've got psalm, well, that wouldn't work because that'd be too many. I was going to say you have psalm one. I was going to ask what you do when you get to 119. Psalm one, psalm 51, and psalm 101. I think mm-hmm. that's how it works. Then day two, you have psalm two, psalm 52, and psalm 102. Okay. There you go. That's it. I was like, the formula's in my head somewhere, but I've been so bad <laughs> with my math. You keep saying three, and I was like, I know. that doesn't make it. So you're doing three psalms a day. In uh-huh. a month, you'll get through all 150 psalms. Day uh, three, you've got Psalm 3, Psalm 53, and Psalm 103. Yes. So you get how that works? Mm-hmm. All right. There you go. Psalm of the day. Good luck on however you want to break that up when you get to Psalm 119. Again, you know your family. <laughs> <laughs> You know, their attention span. Yes. Maybe you just want to do it one psalm at a time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway. And by the time we get out of lockdown or whatever you call this, um, then by then, hopefully you guys would have a good habit going and they would want to continue it. Yeah. Th- right. This is this is a good habit forming exercise. Yes. Like I said, discipline. So you're becoming yes. disciplined in this. So there's some ideas on reading, what you can do to read. Yes. Next. Then you got singing. What do you sing? Well, sing the old hymns. And mm-hmm. I hope you've got a hymnal. I remember when I was a kid, I remember hearing this when I was a kid. It stuck with me ever since. Johnny Erickson Tata mm-hmm. used to have a show called Johnny and Friends. I don't know if she still has this show or not. But when I worked at the Christian radio station I was at, we aired it. Okay. So I would listen to Johnny and Friends. And even in interviews that she would do. that's how she is on Twitter. Is, jo- is it Johnny, Johnny and, and Friends? Friends? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when she would do interviews on Family Life Today or on Focus on the Family, she would even talk about this here. Uh, the two books that every family needs, a Bible and a hymnal. Hmm. You just need to decide what hymnal you want. Now, I would recommend the Grace Hymnal, which yeah. comes from Grace Community Church, John MacArthur's church. You could also do the Trinity Hymnal. Mm-hmm. That would be my second recommendation. There's the Baptist Hymnal. If you're of a particular denomination, your denomination probably has like an official hymnal for the Mm -hmm. denomination. Yeah. So, yeah, just grab a hymnal and these are the hymns that you and your family go through. If you've got someone, more than one person in the family that knows a musical instrument, getting everybody together and learning that hymn. Yeah. And you sing the same hymn all five days of the week Mm -hmm. or seven days if you're doing seven day devotionals. Every day of the week, you sing that hymn. And then next week, it's a new hymn. Mm-hmm. So they're learning the hymn. They're learning all the verses. Maybe you just do one or two verses one night. Then you add in another verse the next night. Then you add the next verse after right. that until you've got the whole hymn memorized and practiced. And then you move on to the next hymn. Mm-hmm. 
uh, that that's what you would sing. I think that I think that's the best discipline. I know that there's some modern songs that maybe your kids are really into and something you could do, but uh, I would recommend the hymns. Our little ones still love the classic Sunday school songs. Oh yeah, give me oil for my lamp, keep me yep. burning, burning, burning. Uh, this little light of mine, I love yes. that one. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. So all those classic Sunday school songs, they still lo- still love those, mm-hmm. and we'll sing those and even do something silly with them on the guitar because the girls, the little girls, just love to dance. Yes, they do. Then you have pray. The simple elements again: read, sing, pray. What do you pray? Well, these five things that we have laid out for us in Scripture, you pray for kings and those who are in authority, mm-hmm. as it says in First Timothy chapter 2. So you'd be praying for your mayor mm-hmm. and maybe know who your mayor is, Yeah, what the, what the person's name is, uh, governor, state representatives or, or senators, uh, your uh, national representatives and senators, the president of the United States, and so I on and so forth. And I do have to put in a little tidbit of don't make it an angry prayer. <laughs> be be genuine. Yeah. And and do pray for their wisdom, mm-hmm. for their salvation, for the courage. Because maybe they do know that um, they should be stepping up in a way, but they they just don't have the courage to do it to go against the grain. Right. So pray for courage for them, and for the Lord to bless them. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are these are serious that no matter how you feel about them, that you can pray a serious prayer for them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not not just angry, mean prayers, bitter, sarcastic. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Praying genuinely for this person, especially for their salvation if they are not saved. Yes. Uh, So that's number one. Pray for kings and those who are in authority. Number two, pray for those who lead the flock, your Mm -hmm. pastors, elders at your church, deacons. Pray for one another, so that would be family members and members of your church. Mm-hmm. Pray for God to send missionaries and preachers to share the gospel. Oh, amen. So those that are going to go out uh, into the harvest. Yeah. We pray for neighbors and those who need to hear the gospel. Mm-hmm. So there's your five things to pray for. Yeah. You can probably think of some other things, but oh, narrowing sure. it down to those five. What do you memorize then? So we have read, sing, pray, and then finally memorize. Well, you can pick a passage of scripture, and that's going to be your main passage of scripture that you're memorizing. Just one verse. Mm-hmm. Or like I said before, or you do a catechism. Whole, uh, chapter of Psalm, what is that? One, Psalm 1. 17? Psalm, well, there's not 17 verses in Psalm 1. No, I said 117. I wasn't finished with oh, my Psalm one. Oh, Psalm 117. Yes. Which is just two verses. You you kind of jumped in there. Got yeah, it. Yeah, I Got was it. but I was I was making it a big deal cuz it's like a whole chapter. <laughs> That's right. You can Be memorize. Be proud. I've memorized a whole chapter, you know. You can do that. <laughs> memorize an entire chapter of the Bible and start with Psalm 117. Yes. We're going to do that on the study this coming Thursday. <laughs> and so finally, uh, Vody says, and I've mentioned this already, says, don't make it fun. If we strive to make it fun, we'll constantly be trying to outdo ourselves. Mm. And I think really this is the problem with the pragmatic church as it exists today. This pragmatism in which giving away an iPad or whatever. Yeah, it might be. Uh, and they'll or a TV. They'll apply some things where they'll be doing some giveaways to draw people in. Mm. Or when they're there, they do gimmicks with like dancers okay. and singers on stage. Right. Give you the um, feels. Yeah. Some sort of series that's connected to pop culture. Mm-hmm. So they're constantly trying to outdo themselves. And that's why 
the evangelical church in America is in the shambles that it's in. Mm. And I, I hope that this pandemic that's existing right now is cleansing the church of that. No joke. I hope that they're getting all of that out, that it lasts long enough to get all that out. <laughs> Get all that out. You don't get the same feeling online that you do in person. So I'm I'm hoping that that disconnect from their church, they realize what it is they're actually listening to, mm-hmm. and and not just in it because of the atmosphere. You know, you kind of get wrapped up in in what's going on around you rather than what's actually being said. So I hope that with the disconnect through watching it online would um, help them look elsewhere for <laughs> yeah. the truth. I, yeah, I, I hope that in watching it online, they're looking at it going, boy, this was silly. Yeah. All I can't this, believe I did this. Yeah. You know, like those moments. <laughs> All this atmosphere and, very, and uh, very humbling moments, entertainment thing that we're going. Anyway, so this even so when we don't make it fun, that when we try to do that in church, we're trying to do that with family devotionals. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Bauckham says, you know, I'm not trying to be a Scrooge here, mm-hmm. but it's not the point. The point is not to make it fun. Yes, you can have some enjoyment out of it. We should find joy in these things. Right. But the responsibility Definitely. is what's in front of us, the discipline, mm-hmm. not the desire to make it fun. So we shouldn't pick the most boring um, songs to sing. Or <laughs> yeah, don't deliberately make it boring. Or try to me- memorize Psalm 119. Yeah, right, right away. First. I'm going to make this as miserable for you as possible. Uh, but ultimately, God is the goal. Mm-hmm. Why are we doing this? Right. Because we want to worship the Lord. Because we want to grow in godliness. <laughs> because we want to grow in knowledge and understanding of his truth. Mm-hmm. So that's why we do it. Not yeah. because we're trying to have a family fun time. Right. You can have family fun time. Of course. But make the devotional and time with the Lord a serious pursuit. Yes. So the kids understand the reverence that is involved in this, not the, the goofing offness. Right. And it's it's unfortunate that as a dad, I have to tell my kids to settle down and be quiet when we're doing devotionals. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like that. You don't enjoy that No, at I all. don't. <laughs> I just wish you'd sit and enjoy this. <laughs> of course, I can't make that happen. Right. But uh, I, I hate having to put that in there. But yeah, they do need to sit still and listen. And mm-hmm. that's that's part of doing the devotions together. Yeah. So for littles, I mean, like I when doing school, I, I realize that they pick up a lot while they're even coloring. So do you recommend them? Like for the littles, possibly having um, a Bible coloring page or something. No, 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 not for family devotions. I mean, if you're if you're dealing with having your kids like that in church, Mm -hmm. that might be one thing. But for family devotions, uh, a parent can hold even dad who's leading the devotions can put a child in a lap Mm -hmm. or something like that. There can be a way to help them feel involved without putting them in a place where they now feel disconnected. Mm-hmm. I'm not in the same thing that they're doing because I'm coloring a page. Okay. So we need to find find ways in which we're all involved in doing the same thing together. Mm-hmm. It might mean certain things you're really dumbing down for the sake of the five and three-year-old. Right. You know? but, uh, but if a family begins with a husband and a wife, mm-hmm. as all families should begin that way, mm-hmm. And they don't have any children together. Well, they're regular in Bible study and prayer as a husband and wife. Then they start having kids. They're still doing the same things they were doing before. Mm -hmm. But the number of people who are there are just more now. (laughs) (laughs) And it's increasing. And you're helping them to understand these things and raising them up in this. And so if if the discipline starts early, it's easier to maintain it 
right. the longer it goes, even though you're adding more people to it. Mm-hmm. But you find ways of of teaching your children, you know, just as Becky said, you know your kids, mm-hmm. you know their attention span, their learning level, things like that. So find ways that you're including them and helping them learn as you go through this process. Right. And I think it's great practice that, I mean, you can, they witness you doing it and they are able to do that. And that, I think that makes them very excited that they get to do something the olders get to do that they don't normally get That's to participate true. in. That's true. Right. We get to so, feel a little more grown up. Yes. Which right. is always enjoyable for them. Yeah, that's right. Well, thank you for uh, Vody and Josh Bice having that conversation. And yeah. you can still find it on the G3 Conference YouTube page. I went to their Facebook page and did not find the video. Hmm. They had the live stream on Facebook, but then I guess when it was over, it, it didn't oh, post. Some, sometimes they don't record it, I guess. Yeah, maybe not for Facebook, but it was on YouTube. So you can okay. watch the video on YouTube. Awesome. Just find the G3 Conference uh, YouTube page. This is Friday. And of course, on Friday, we take questions from the listeners. And you can send those questions to when we understand the text at gmail.com. Dear Pastor Gabe, my name is Michael and I live in the UK, London. Fun. I want to come visit you sometime. <laughs> I've followed your ministry <laughs> for ages. What more specifically? And it's been a real blessing hmm. for ages. Five years. We've been doing this now it for is five ages. years. Yeah. I need, <laughs> I need your help. There's so much confusion around prophets and prophecy where I am. One proof text that is used is Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, and another is 1 Corinthians 14. Please, could you shed some insight on these two scriptures? Those two places in the Bible are being used as evidence of the important role a prophet slash the prophetic has in New Testament churches. My own belief is that God doesn't or isn't speaking through prophets anymore, but I'm being told prophets are needed as part of the fivefold ministry, which needs to be in every church, by the way. So if I planted a church, I'll need to make sure that I have an apostle. That will be tough since there aren't any. I need an evangelist, a prophet, a pastor, and a teacher. Please, sir, give me some theological help. Your little brother in Christ, Michael. Well, I'm not going to do the 1 Corinthians 14. That one's a little bit longer. That would take a little bit more time. But let's for sure go to Ephesians 4. I know this passage well, since this is uh, a verse that we have used as a statement of faith for our church. Yeah. So in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's mm-hmm. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. And that is our second statement of faith as a church right after uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Yeah. 
How do we understand this first part? Verse 11, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Well, you have to have an understanding of who the apostles and who the prophets are. Joel Beakey, I think, has shed the best light on this that I have read of anybody. Unfortunately, to read what it is that he has to say regarding this, you would have to purchase the book, A Reformed Systematic Theology. Which is huge. It's a big, big book. And I can't even remember right off the top of my head which chapter it is where he mentions this. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But I will tell you that he gave the best explanation that I've read on this. So when we're reading about apostles and prophets, we are talking about New Testament ministers. The prophets in this case, at least in this context, are not talking about Old Testament prophets. It is talking about those prophets that were around at the time of the apostolic ministry. The last of the office of prophets was John the Baptist. Hmm. So when you're talking about a prophet as an office, and it's not really in the technical sense, but you had a prophet whom God chose to speak to his people through. Mm-hmm. Like in the time of Saul and David, it was Samuel. Mm, in the yeah. time of leading the Israelites out of Egypt, it was Moses. That's what I was going to say. In the time of Ahab and Jezebel, it was Elijah. Mm-hmm. And then Elijah was succeeded by Elisha. Mm-hmm. Then you had other prophets like Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, so on and so forth. Right. So there was always someone that God was speaking to his people through. That's the Old Testament office of the prophet. The last one of them was John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. So these are all the forerunners to Christ, all those who came before Christ in that office of prophet. Now that Christ has come, we don't need that office because everything has been spoken through Christ. He is uh, fulfilled all the apostles and the prophets. Christ is the one who's fulfilled all these things. And so, therefore, everything that we have needed to know from the mouth of God, we know through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so in Hebrews chapter one, beginning in verse one, we have long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So the point being made here is we don't have the office of prophet anymore. Right. God is not speaking through prophets. He has spoken through his son. Mm -hmm. But what about the apostles and the prophets during the time of apostolic ministry that Jesus had appointed to go out and share the gospel? Well, the office of apostle very clearly has three qualifications. Number one, they had to have seen the risen Christ. Right. Number two, they had to have been personally appointed by Christ Mm -hmm. to this work of ministry. Number three, they affirmed their apostleship by performing miracles. Right. If these apostles cannot perform miracles, they are not apostles. So if you have a modern day person saying, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ, you have any and all biblical right to say, okay, raise the dead and prove it. Mm Mm-hmm. Show me some kind of sign or miracle that you are an apostle who has been appointed by Jesus Christ because they performed those miracles to verify that the word that they spoke was not from themselves. Mm. It was the gospel of Jesus Christ that was given to them. Right. What about the prophets? Well, you had prophets in the time of apostolic ministry that did the same, but they were not an office. It was not the office of prophet. So you had a guy like Agabus whom the Lord gave a vision of a famine that was going to happen. But but Agabus was not a a prophet in the sense that someone appointed him to a position of a prophet. 
Okay. He was a prophet only in the sense that God gave him a vision. He spoke that vision and it came true. You also had the daughters of Philip mm-hmm. who were prophesying. We don't know what they prophesied. It's just one right. verse that tells us the daughters of, of Philip were prophesying. But they were still saying things that then came to pass. If a person speaks a word from the Lord, but it doesn't happen, what that person said was not from God. Right. And they are a false prophet. Right. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. There will be no error in the prophet. Right. You cannot find one single example in the Bible, Old Testament or New Testament, of a prophet that was wrong erring in yeah. his prophecy. Right. Ever. If it came from God, it came true. And the Lord was very clear on this in Deuteronomy 18. If someone says a word from me mm-hmm. that doesn't come to pass, it wasn't from me. And what's supposed to happen to that prophet? Aren't they supposed to get stoned? He's supposed to be put to death. Yeah. That's how serious this is. It's blasphemy. It's vanity for anyone to declare a word from God that did not come from God. They've they've spoken presumptuously. They've spoken uh, um, uh, haughtily, mm-hmm. uh, arrogantly, right. claiming that their words are on par with God's when they are not. And so the Lord was very, very serious about this. I don't think that the understanding or the testimony of this was any more lax in the New Testament as it was in the Old. Even though the office of prophet wasn't really an office anymore since the apostle was given that position, the prophets that we see in the New Testament who were therefore doing ministry under the umbrella of apostolic ministry, Mm -hmm. their ministry as prophets was still being affirmed in the sense that what they said actually came to pass. Right. So these were those who were kind of the, the foundation of the building of the church in the very beginning. We have this talked about in First Peter chapter 2. The Apostle Paul talks about it with the Ephesians in, in chapter 2, that the apostles are the foundation of the church. Christ Jesus is the cornerstone. Mm-hmm. The foundation is the apostles. Everything else is built up on top of that. Mm-hmm. And we are like living stones, as Peter puts it in First Peter 2. So the, the bedrock, the foundation of the church is Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, the apostles whom Jesus laid as the foundation, mm-hmm. that they would be the first to give the testimony of the gospel. Right. And then believers are added. The building is built up. We're sharing the gospel. More bricks are piled on top and we're being built as a spiritual house unto the Lord. Right. This is the illustration that Peter gives. So now when you come back to this in Ephesians chapter four, verse 11, and you read, he gave the apostles and the prophets. We are still under the authority of the apostles. The New Testament apostles. Mm -hmm. Every time we open the Bible and read it, we are reading the testimony of the apostles verified by the prophets. Mm -hmm. That's that's those names, those mentions there done. So you already have it in your in your church. You already have it. If you have a Bible sitting on your pulpit, you have apostles and prophets. There you go. There they are. They're in the Bible. The apostles and prophets who gave us the scriptures are the apostles and prophets that we submit to now whenever the word of God is proclaimed in our church. Right. But then the others are active offices that would be in your church. That is the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. So you have those that go out with the gospel, lead people to Christ, bring them into the church. And then in the church, you've got the shepherds. You've got the elders and the uh, pastor. And aren't those the teachers? Then? Yeah. Well, teachers would then be under the elders. Oh, okay. So sure. then you've got others that maybe teach in some way, and mm-hmm. they're even under the office of eldership. Okay. So there's those who sit as a pastor 
or an elder, and then the teachers under them would mm-hmm. be, yeah. You could also understand that as shepherd is pastor, teacher is elder. Is that kind of what you were? Yeah. Yeah. Could but, be understood that I mean, way as well. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but, I mean, we do have teachers that are under the elders. Yeah, so. right. You also have other teachers in the church that are under the elders. Right. That's how you understand those offices. Anybody who is trying to translate that any other way is simply lying. If they say or that... misunderstanding completely. Well, I would say in the in the sense of the charismatics and the Pentecostals who are oh, claiming okay. that you have modern day apostles, those that's a lie. Yeah. And I have straight up said to anybody in my congregation, because we have such transiency in our church, the military is going to move them to another location in not too long. Right. When you go from here to another eventually. church. Yeah. <laughs> not, eventually not right when now, the pandemic's but, over know. and everything. Yeah. <laughs> they were supposed to. If you go into a church and you have somebody stand up and declare themselves an apostle or a prophet, mm-hmm. get out. Yes. Don't stay. Don't try to change what's going on there. They they are already messed up. Mm-hmm. And they believe in things that are that are contrary or in addition to the scriptures. Mm. So like God's and word whatever, says this. Whatever they think that God told them is is Always yes. has the authority. Yep. Always. Yeah. And that doesn't always go in your favor whenever you're questioning them. Right. It's it's just, never just a saying. matter of, well, let me test your words with the Bible. No. No. It no. came from God. Right. You don't test what it is that I say. Right. Do not touch mine anointed. You know, they might right. throw that at oh you or goodness. something like that. I hate that phrase. Yeah. I hate I'm, that. I'm I hate sorry. the misuse of that phrase. Yes. <laughs> well, anymore, that's all that it's used for. Right. But if we if we love the Bible and mm-hmm. we preach it rightly, mm-hmm. as uh, the Apostle Paul told Timothy, be ready in season and out of season, which mm-hmm. is another way of saying it's always in season. Right. Preach the word. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if we love the Bible that much and we are holding fast to the true word and scriptures of God and we are teaching it rightly, then we are not uh, uh, disavowing the prophets to whom God gave his word. We mm-hmm. are revering and upholding that position as God chose them to take the word of God and deliver it to the people. Yeah. So we're not, you know, uh, a blaspheming God or disregarding his anointed. Right. Definitely. That's how you uphold that. That's yeah. that's how that's fulfilled. Not in Benny Hinn saying, you've got to follow what it is that I say. And if you don't, then, well, touch not mine anointed. That's not how that passage is supposed to be understood. Anyway, I hope that's helpful for you, Michael. Uh, Let's see if I got enough time for this question, which kind of goes right along with that. This person's asked to remain anonymous. Dear Pastor Gabe and Becky, first of all, greetings from Poland. Oh, fun. Hello. And and thank you for your ministry, as it has been a tremendous blessing to me. I recommend it whenever I get the chance to do so. My question is with regards to discernment. Is a lack of discernment a symptom of... Or possibly a lack of salvation slash regeneration? Or is it simply a lack of maturity in the Lord? Having come out of the Pentecostal movement myself, I am often intrigued by the sometimes heinous lack of discernment displayed by those I left behind there. Mm-hmm. Believers who have been attending churches for much longer than I have. God used the doctrines of grace and ministries like yours, wretched and grace to you, just to name a few, mm-hmm. to open my eyes. However, I cannot for the life of me fathom how these people could, on the one hand, listen to a John MacArthur sermon and think it was all right, and then listen to one by Joyce Meyer and think it was just as good or even better. Yes. How can we know whether or not a Pentecostal believer is truly saved? 
So many of them seem to be truly godly individuals, but can a person who is constantly seduced by all of the lunacy and sometimes flat out heresy coming out of these charismatic churches truly be in the Lord? Also, what is your opinion of the Illuminati? As we go through this pandemic, I keep hearing all these different conspiracy theories, lots of them coming from fellow Christians about how the Illuminati is behind all of this and that we will soon see the rise of the Antichrist. Your thoughts of the matter would be greatly appreciated. Thank you so much once again for your videos and podcasts. I don't miss a single one. May God continue to bless you and greatly use you for his ultimate glory. Happy Easter to you and yours. I got that email uh, right before Easter, as you you might be able to tell. Well, the Antichrist is already here. 1 John 2.18, children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know it is the last hour. Going on to verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. Mm. So one of the things that you are going to see is that those who are walking away from the faith or walking away from sound doctrine and wandering into heresy Mm -hmm. never really were in the body of Christ to begin with. Right. They were always there because there was a false teacher who was scratching their itching ears and saying to them exactly what it was they wanted to hear. So if they're listening to both, what do you suggest? I would suggest sharing the gospel with them. Yeah. I would try to point out to them the contradictions. How can you believe what this person says and then come over here to this person and believe that they're saying the same thing that the previous person said? Mm -hmm. At what point do you come into a contradiction where you're no longer believing the truth? You're believing a lie. Mm -hmm. You know, asking those kinds of questions, but using, you know, specifically examples of the things that those people believe. Yeah. If they're following a Joyce Meyer. Post something. Yeah. Like um, sometimes on uh, social media, they'll post something that is like um, a Joyce Meyer quote or something like that. No, more of a, a video or an audio. Well, that's even better because she said something really wonky in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so then you can take that and compare it to the John MacArthur one that they had listened to. And you can say, OK, now these two things are they don't mesh one of these things just doesn't belong (laughs) here no stop that is not what you do at all (laughs) don't approach it like that no (laughs) in fact it would even be better if you don't do this on social media correct i agree but maybe even calling up yeah at this point because um yeah by the time i mean at this point when we're recording this we are not allowed to go over can't go to have a yeah, chat you yeah, know maybe not you probably it, could it's frowned upon anyway <laughs> this doesn't go over well Through with a closed uh, with window some people. you know yeah. <laughs> the screen yes i'll stand on this side of the screen door you stand on that side and yes. we'll have a conversation we'll but, put together a little anyway. makeshift uh uh, like visitor booth when you go to jail oh and you're goodness. visiting somebody in jail. We'll just we'll do something like that. So it's terrible, terrible. Okay. So anyway, um, but do do point out those um, the the contrasting contradictions. Contradictions. <laughs> I was going to say contrasting points, but sure. sure. Yeah. 
contradictions works <laughs> it's a little shorter and doing so patiently yeah. uh I, I mean we need to do this with each other anyway mm-hmm. so as you talked about how is it that they lack such discernment well not everyone has a gift of discernment correct we're all supposed to be discerning to a certain degree mm-hmm. but then you also have those according to first corinthians 12 who've been given the ability to distinguish between spirits and they are a gift to the church mm. so those who have that gift or ability Uh, of discernment maybe more wisely than most have it Mm -hmm. they serve the church by warning them of this teaching's bad over here what we're looking at is is solid in the gospel but this person is not not talking to the anonymous person that wrote in but everybody in general don't shun those people don't ignore those people yeah who have that gift of discernment yes if it it has been proven over and over again trust them yes and but if, if, they, you, if you can't do anything at that moment, take that into consideration and keep your eye out. Right. You know? If they if if you've got one of those discerners in your church who is just really not loving with the way that they approach these they things, they do have to be tactful. Yes, yes you're helping and if that, you are person, that person. Yeah. <laughs> work on your tact. Yes, your um, quote unquote bedside manner or whatever they call that. <laughs> you know what bedside I mean? Bedside manner. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're just, all we're all slowly dying, I guess. We so. are. Yeah, we are. So, you know, don't just like kick the bucket or whatever <laughs> towards them. <laughs> just, these these just, are colorful word pictures here. <laughs> hold their hand, walk them through it. You know, don't don't just be rude and, and get fed up with them if they're not listening. Yeah. But, but back on the person who maybe has the gift of discernment, but is rude. Yes, you may help. You may need to help. No, you were right. You're talking to the person who is rude. I'm talking about you're not the rude person, but you've got a discerner in your church who is rude. Check. Okay. Uh, Okay. Okay. I'm with you. Don't blow them off either because they need help in sanctification and understanding love and charity. Right. These are ways that we help one another. That that gift of discernment is still valuable, but maybe they need to be tempered in it a little Mm -hmm. bit. There are there are ways that I wish I could have done this better in the past when I had people that came into the church clearly have that gift of discernment. Mm-hmm. But, man, it almost seems like that gift is the one that's most likely to become that cage stage person. It's so frustrating. You need to walk in a cage. It is so frustrating to to have that knowledge of, OK, you know, something's off and nobody else sees it. <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the yeah. Anyway, it's fine. I understand. Yeah. But being careful with one another, loving toward each other, no matter what the spiritual gift is, because that's the point of what that's that's the point of what Paul is writing in first Corinthians 12 and 13. Mm -hmm. The greatest way here is love. Right. So we are one body with many parts, Mm -hmm. but we exercise the spiritual gifts that we have been given for the benefit of the body, for the building it up. Right. Building it up. Keywords. Yes. Building up the body of Christ. Not tearing it down. Not beating someone over the head with your spiritual gift. <laughs> not, not climbing over people and clamoring them and stepping on them on the way to get to that one person. That's right. So just be be gentle. Now, as for the Illuminati, okay, yeah, no such thing. The Illuminati is the word that everybody uses when there's some sort of conspiracy coming on. I don't know what it is, so it's the Illuminati. Like they 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 just <laughs> it's the have for everything, right? Exactly. Okay. They just have their hands over uh, absolutely everything. We are told in Isaiah chapter eight, I think it's verses twelve and thirteen. Do not call conspiracy. All that this people calls conspiracy Mm -hmm. and do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, 
Him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear and your dread. So you've got some friends that are getting into a little bit of that uh, Illuminati conspiracy theory type Again, stuff. Again, grab their hand, um, <laughs> figuratively, and bring them back into this is what the Bible says. Don't worry about that. Yes. A focus of mind that is upon the Lord. Because mm-hmm. even when maybe you're not afraid of those things, but you're letting your mind wander off into all of these myths. Mm-hmm. And speculations. What ifs? Yeah. What does Paul say about that in First Timothy chapter one? Don't wander off into myths and endless speculations, which lead to vain discussion. We need to be focused on Christ and His gospel and this ministry. That is first and foremost our responsibility in this world. Yes, it is. A pillar and a buttress of the truth. That's the that's the church. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys for attending uh, this edition of our podcast, episode 1190. Wow. Is what this was. Pretty awesome. Thank you so much. God bless you. We will talk to you next week. Send your emails to whenweunderstandthetext at gmail.com. Quick prayer. Yes, let's. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great day, and I pray that we would be thankful for our current circumstances, for you are working something great in the midst of this. And that we would keep our eyes focused on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let our eyes be fixed upon him and on your eternal kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. To do what? To go goof off? No. You're ready now? No. You're ready? Are you finally ready? I'm ready. Awesome. I'm already ready already. You're already ready already? Yes. Awesome. Okay. Are the kids all pottied? I have no idea. Are we gonna, we'll we gonna find out. get an interruption here? Sure. Whenever you're ready. I can't really see it. Your mic's too low. Oh. Thanks, Dave. Is that better? A I little bit. I don't feel like I moved it much. Where's my Bible? Upstairs. Oh, yeah. I had it upstairs for Bible study. <sighs> Would you go get me my Bible? <laughs> I got to get my steps in anyway. <laughs> See, that's what, I'm just looking oh, after whatever. you. You got to do your whatever. exercises. You're just like, whew, thankfully, I got an excuse. <laughs> I'm going to sit here and sip my tea.